0: I'm Amy Souter, your host for the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. We're delivering fresh takes on living a healthy lifestyle full of fresh fruits and vegetables and the ins and outs of the business world that make that possible. In this episode, I'm focusing on someone who means a great deal to people in the fresh produce industry and to the public at large, although the general public probably has no idea how much this man's work has influenced their lives. My editorial colleague at the Packer and PMG, Tom Karst, and I talk with Tom Stenzel, who has been co-CEO of the International Fresh Produce Association with Kathy Burns. The big news is Stenzel has recently retired from his leadership role at the association, which is huge considering he has helmed a produce organization for almost 30 years. Stenzel was president and CEO of United Fresh Produce Association for more than 28 years before it combined with Produce Marketing Association. Stenzel has formed a new company, the Stenzel Group, that will keep him helping the industry, which in turn will affect all of us who want to eat fresh fruits and vegetables. This guy has really made some big changes and fought for our industry over the years. What we want to know is what was this produce world like 30 years ago? What were the big challenges, the wins, and of course, what's coming up? Now let's hear it directly from Tom as he answers questions from our own longstanding Tom, and then I throw in some questions too.
1: This is Tom Karst, editor emeritus of The Packer with Amy Souter editor of PMG and retail editor of the Packer. And we're honored today to have Tom Stenzel, longtime president of United Fresh and, of course, co-CEO for a period here with International Fresh Produce Association. Tom, great to have you here with us and talk a little bit about your uh, storied career.
2: Well, thank you. No, it's great to be with you.
0: Yes, I'm looking forward to hearing more about your overall career journey and what's what's planned next
2: calling all produce decision makers we're talking to you buyers sales managers merchandising managers and procurement specialists here's your chance to optimize your potato merchandising in store and win a fun-filled adventure to denver colorado you already sell more fresh potatoes by volume than any other produce commodity. And with merchandising best practices, you can sell even more of America's favorite vegetable potatoes, potatoes, USA invites you to go to potato merchandising.com to learn more and enter twin a potato adventure to Denver. So yes, you,
0: have- you
1: know, what? Uh, Tom, as I remember you, of course, I was around when you came to the industry, 1993, correct? I don't know if I'm good with yeah, that. Yeah, that's
2: right, Tom. Uh, I guess we're old timers in the industry <laughs> at this point.
1: That is so true. And so much. as I remember, you, uh, you came from the Beverage Association, correct?
2: Yeah, kind of roundabout. Um, actually, I'd been with a group called the International Food Information Council uh, mm-hmm. for about seven years. I'd been president there. And... Um, Previous to that, I worked for the American Beverage Association, also uh, here in Washington, D.C. But as I kind of looked at what was happening in my career way back then, uh, the, the Food Information Council was a little bit more of a coalition. We did a lot on food safety and nutrition issues but I really wanted to do something more uh, in totality for an industry. And when a, uh, a search firm called and said, hey, would I be interested in talking with the fresh produce industry? Uh, I really jumped at that chance. And uh, it's just been a, a blast ever since.
1: What was that first engagement with you know the association, with the leaders of the association back then? And uh, what did you uh, What did you think when you first talked to the, you know the leaders of the industry as, as you considered co- co- joining the team? I guess.
2: Yeah, it, it's it's probably hard to to put my finger on it at this point, Tom, but they felt very personal. Uh, it was a five member search committee. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alan Seiger uh, from Consumers Produce in Pittsburgh. Uh, God bless is the last one uh, who's still with us. Uh, Bill Hines. Uh, Roger Jones, a number of my my dear, dear friends over the years, uh, but it was a more personal interview. Uh, in my previous jobs, I had been working with the CPG companies and uh, very corporate, uh, so just a real distinction when you started talking with people who were in family businesses, uh, and you know that, Fresh Produce, uh, we're unique, I think.
0: Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Uh what are some of the early memories you have in the, in the 90s of, yeah. of getting getting familiar with the industry and the, and the association?
2: Well, Roger Jones was uh, chairman at the time when I started, uh, potato grower, packer, shipper uh, out of Idaho. So one of my very first trips was to the Idaho Grower Shipper Association uh, annual meeting. Uh, so I got to meet a number of people there. And then I really traveled that first year. Um, our industry, uh, it, it's funny because you think we're one, but uh, John McClung, who is the head of government affairs here when I started, uh, told me one day early on, you know, Tom, you think you've joined one industry, but you've really joined dozens of different industries. And I think that's true. Uh, every commodity group functions in its own way, uh, different regional groups, uh so for me it was a, a very a big learning curve to really start to understand all the different facets of the fruit and vegetable sector.
0: Oh, that sounds similar to yeah. I think my first year or so was a lot of traveling. And I remember how eye-opening it was to visit an apple packing facility. Yes. And then then a mushroom place, which was completely different. Yeah. Yeah, so, absolutely. Um that that is interesting. Um and how how did you find kind of what your your passions within your role and and the industry? You know, did you find kind of your own? I don't know if pet projects is the right word, but like just yeah. Well, things, yeah. I'll
2: go back to the the earliest days, and uh, you know, one of the things that I found challenging is uh, honestly, United at the time, United Fresh Fruit and Vegetable Association was not. Uh, necessarily on the strongest leg. Uh, there was a real need to identify who we really were. So I worked with the board of directors uh, in those first few years to really hone in on uh, who we wanted to be as an association, how we would serve our members. Uh, and we ended up having a, a moment of truth. Um, Tom, you'll remember this, the uh, fight over the Perishable Agriculture Commodities Act, uh, the PACA.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: there was a time around 1995 that um, actually the retail supermarket industry tried to get the law changed to get rid of the PACA. Uh, And it really forced us to take stock of uh, who we are as a produce industry. Uh, We love our customers. We wanna work with retailers. They're essential to our success. But at the same time, we had to define ourselves as a produce industry association. So we fought to maintain the PACA, Even though it kind of hurt us a little bit in convention attendance and things like that Mm -hmm. um, from the retail side, but it was important to really show the identity. Mm -hmm. And I think that put United on the right uh, uh, path forward uh, in those early days. And we were able to grow from there with a a very solid support from the broad industry.
1: I do remember that time, and there was, you know, there was a whole political element to all that and how that unfolded. And you, somehow you were able to navigate that and to to salvage, of course, the the PACA when yeah, it's important to the industry, wasn't it?
2: It was a strange fight because it was almost like brothers fighting or, or yeah, an inner family feud mm-hmm. uh, because the retailers are our partners. So that it really didn't make sense. The produce VPs, interestingly at retail, kind of sided with the produce companies because they understood how important you know fair trading standards are uh, in our industry it was some of the other folks at retail whether they're their're lawyers or, or some others who didn't quite understand why produce had this special case but the thing that made a huge difference is you know we have that perishable product that um, if you have a dispute there's no way you just hold the product while you're figuring out the the negotiation because uh, it, it goes away. So it was important that we were able to maintain uh, those fair trading standards. And when you think of the
1: the packet full of issues that United has always engaged with, I say United, now IFPA, uh, how do those those few issues back in the 90s perhaps compare to right now and, and what the industry concerns are?
2: Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't think we see anything quite like, you know, that PACA battle. There's still going to be differences of opinion throughout our industry. Uh, we see it in trade. We see it in different regions, um, you know, concerned about imports to the U.S. or actually major importers. And having to balance all of those issues is something that uh, I think IFPA will continue to do, uh, something that we really tried hard here uh, at United Fresh, Uh you have to be transparent. You have to get all voices in the room together. Uh, you have to have the full supply chain, and then you sort out what's best for the entire membership. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't be driven by just you know one one small sector. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those kind of issues, I think IFPA will continue to tackle. Uh, but I've got a lot of confidence that uh, the organization is well positioned to do that.
0: Also, oh, like um, like companies that. That grow produce domestically, not wanting, you know, um, talking about unfair competition from imports. But then all the U.S. companies that import that produce and you represent all of them. That's right. So you, you try to balance that. Um, again, I'm going to say it comes back to
2: kind of uh, fair trading standards. You know, there are laws in place that uh, take care of dumping issues and illegal support um, governments providing illegal support to certain industries. You know, there are systems that address those issues. Nobody really likes competition, uh, but competition usually makes us better. And uh, that's one of the things that that I've seen also over the years that the companies that have uh, succeeded uh, and have grown uh, are ones who embrace um, competition. They embrace the future. They are always trying to improve. Uh, that was something we tried to uh, also do as an association that uh, we weren't here to represent the lowest common denominator in an industry. We wanted to help the industry advance. Uh, so looking back, some of those issues in food safety, we were always at the forefront uh, trying to drive food safety standards, policies. Uh, one of the things I'm most proud of is our work in nutrition, nutrition, um, we had the five-a-day program back when I started, but but that was about it. And we were really able to turn uh, government action on nutrition and health policy uh, to be much more mindful of fruits and vegetables, uh, changing the school lunch program, uh, getting the fresh fruit and vegetable snack program, uh, working to include fruits and vegetables in the WIC program. You know, real key accomplishments that uh, I think that's where an industry has its strength in an association coming together.
0: Ooh, yeah! You really hit some notes there that that I am pretty passionate about.
1: <laughs> and Tom, I don't know if you were the inventor of the phrase "a rising tide," but it it seems like you were anyway. You really, you really emphasize that. Yeah, you know, hey, if this is good for the overall industry, it's going to lift everyone up.
2: Yeah, I, I certainly didn't invent that. <laughs> but uh, but I, I do believe it. Uh, I think that our opportunity as an industry uh, is always the next step ahead. Um, you know, It's not clinging to the way we used to do things. I mean, you look today at technology and what's coming into the industry. Uh, we are having to learn as fast as we possibly can. Uh, the R&D function has never been more important whether it's field labor or packing house uh, or you know, artificial intelligence in uh, yeah. sourcing and buying. Uh, there are just so many things that uh, continue to uh, help the industry grow and succeed.
0: Yeah. Um, what, what do you think you will miss the most about um, being CEO of United Fresh or co-CEO of uh, International Fresh Produce Association.
2: Yeah, Amy, I I think probably more than anything else, it's the people. Um, This industry has become my family as well. Uh, So I will miss seeing everybody at board of directors meetings and uh, conventions, although I'm going to stay as much as I can in the industry. I I started a little consulting practice. Um, I probably will not be working 80 hours a week uh, the way I did for many years, but um, cut it back to about half and... uh, (laughs) Hope that I'll be um, very involved with a number of industry members. Uh, I'll actually be coming out to the uh, Packers uh, West Coast Show, um, Ooh, yeah, so looking forward to seeing a number of friends there.
0: So we'll see you in California soon.
2: Yes, yes.
0: Um, what qualities do you think, with your own personality and and the way you work, um, really resonated with the industry and and how I mean, how do you think it it's going to evolve? I mean, you can't yeah, really fill back. a gap exactly the same way, but.
2: Yeah, I'll go back to that first interview I was describing where it felt very personal. And that's pretty much the way I've operated here at, at United and then uh, hopefully made some impression on the IFPA moving forward. Uh, we We are a family business that uh, it's. There is more corporate involvement, more private equity involvement, but uh, this is still you know, a, an industry that operates on a handshake, uh, on a hug. Um, we're, we're very uh, friendly, even with competitors, usually. Uh, people help each other out. And that was the way I always tried to uh, manage the association. So I think in that sense, United was a family business operating to support a number of families throughout our produce industry.
0: And you have to be very careful. I mean, it sounds. I mean, everything is so political, and you have a fine balance. Uh, you know that you have to manage or, or walk. You know, fine line between all the all the family members. <laughs> right? yeah. It's
2: funny, Amy, because uh, as I've watched families in the produce industry, you know, having to navigate the same things—sons uh, and daughters. Uh, which child is going to move in to become the CEO? When do you bring in an outside um, consultant, sometimes a non-family uh, member CEO? Uh, but what makes family successful is you don't hide from those issues. You address them. You, you, for an association, you can't hide from those tough issues. Uh, you have to have the right people in the room. You have to have frank and open conversation. Uh, deal with your differences. Uh, but just like families, you know, the association has to move forward and, and make decisions. Um, hopefully with the board of directors we've had, I thinking about who I will miss the most, it's all of those folks who've served on our board over the years uh, that really did help drive this association, you know, as much as I did. And you talk about
1: communication and and uh, and the the dynamic of coming together. N- a none better example than when United and PMA <laughs> came together. Uh, you know, you your decision to form IFPA. What made it the right time? You know, last year, what have you, to to do that, to, to come together versus maybe back in the '90s or the.
2: No, that's a that's good question. Though.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: as you know, and I think everybody who's listening or watching this will know, uh, there were many times when mm-hmm. United and PMA flirted with that possibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say there were a couple reasons. Uh, one, and probably the most important, was the relationship that I had developed with Kathy Burns uh, at PMA. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Kathy is uh, you know, a, a great leader and someone that I've respected. Uh, We started working together on uh, produce traceability uh, even before she had joined PMA when she was still at Food Lion. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we got to know each other on a number of issues like that. So when we actually sat down to start talking, uh, there was a mutual respect there that that made the conversation go well. Why in the big picture? I think both associations kind of came to a point where we realized that we could be more effective together uh pma was very good at certain things united was very good at certain things but by teaming up we could be better at everything so in that sense as long as we the association staff are putting the industry first it only made sense so um, you know having a mutual partner that that kind of shared that philosophy uh is what brought it together here Uh, i guess it's now been like two and a half years tom it's amazing kathy and i started talking um Back in uh, late, well, 2020. So um, early. Yeah. You
1: know. yeah, that is more than, That's a that's a pretty a good amount of time to uh, hash it out, I guess. And you, yep. you yep. did that. I know back in the 90s, one of the points of conversation was, well, will this new combined organization devote enough resources to lobbying? Which, of course, has been your bread and butter over the years. How do you feel about that? What's What's your sense now as as the lobbying element of what? IFPA will be in the future?
2: I can tell you that IFPA is is doubling down uh, on the lobbying legislative function government relations. Uh, That's another reason why we came together at this point. If Kathy had not shared that philosophy in her board, um, I probably wouldn't have let it happen, to be honest with you, Uh Um, because that was an essential part. Uh, We as IFPA have invested more heavily. We've added staff positions. So that is going to be a key factor going forward. It's a question that's still out there, and I'm actually glad you asked it, because as I've traveled this past year, I get that question from member companies. So you know, seeing is believing, but um, we had our first Washington uh, conference uh, earlier uh, this month, and then we're also going to have the September conference as well, and you'll see more and more activities, I think, taking place uh, in this realm with IFPA. Very good, and and kind of following on that point, I guess a little bit is this COVID pandemic
1: has been unlike anything. It's crazy, and I know in DC it's changed a lot as well. And I don't know if it's getting back to normal or or what's your yeah. sense about that. That is, I
2: mean, the the buzzword is the new normal, uh, which we all use too much. But I don't think it's going to be the same uh, as it was. Um, I want to see it get back to being more personal again. You know, we could only talk with members of Congress on a Zoom like this. And and just like everybody in business, this did give us a new way to connect. So in that sense, there's some positive that's come out of it. But building relationships, having lunch together, uh, spending time with staff members, you know, a lot of what we do is not the glamorous, let's go see, you know, the big senator and, and talk for five minutes in his office. A lot of what we do is build relationships with that senator's staff. So when someone's 23, 24 years old, just out of college, come to work in a Washington congressional office, we try to help them. We get to know them five years from now, 10 years from now, they're probably going to be chief of staff or somebody. So a lot of that relationship building uh, we're not getting during the COVID days. So I do hope that we can build that back up.
0: How do you just start start the relationship like like practically speaking?
2: Yeah, so yeah, as I mentioned, for the younger staff, uh, that's always part of it. Um, this year, I think we had sixty, well, last last year, sixty new members of Congress come in. So every year when there's a new Congress seated and somebody's coming here for the first time, uh, we will actually take them a fruit and vegetable uh, basket. Uh, We'll introduce the association to their office. So you've got the uh, congressperson, then you've got a chief of staff, and usually you've got an ag person, if they're at least related to agriculture at all. But trying to introduce ourselves to all of those different people. um, That's been, been a real key way that you build those relationships.
0: And then do you follow up and be like, let's have lunch? Yeah, I mean... When there's some issue or just a
2: relationship, yes, uh, and there'll generally be a group that we work with more closely. So the agriculture committees, committees, yeah, uh, the nutrition committee, small business committee, um, and also I guess the other piece of this whole regulatory side is dealing with the uh, USDA, the FDA, uh, Department of Labor. Uh, that is. As important as dealing with the politicians, it's dealing with those appointees, whether they're the secretary of agriculture uh, or all of their key staff. Uh, again, you build relationships. So uh, the the individual today, this is a, a kind of funny story, um, uh, who is the head of the Agricultural Marketing Service, uh, Bruce Summers, actually was running the PACA program 20 years ago but he's moved up in his career where he's now the the administrator. And that's great that we've had that relationship with him for that many years.
0: Oh yeah. Um, I just want to thank you for how much good you've done over the years for not just the industry and the companies and the families that run them or the people who aren't families around them. um, But the general public, you know, I mean, this really does affect everyone. And I mean, from the thing that sticks out in my head is, you know, someone who ha- has um, is in a low income situation and, and now can can get fresh produce um, to help them during their temporary, you know, struggles. Um,
2: Well, Amy, you're you're very kind to say that. And and I have to say, I'm a bit touched uh, because I believe that too. Um, You know, we're not just doing it to make a profit. Um, You know, what's the saying? Do well by doing good. And if there's ever an industry, it's the fruit and vegetable industry that uh, does good uh, in the world. Uh, We feed people with the healthiest, uh, best products, you know, known to man. And uh, the more we can deliver that to people in need, Uh, people who may not be able to shop at the highest end stores, uh, that's making a real difference. So uh, I appreciate you saying that.
0: Doesn't it feel good to have worked in an industry that makes everyone healthier?
2: It does. And
0: and that's why I don't
2: (laughs) want to stop. So uh, hopefully I'll still be able to contribute. Uh, I'm on a couple different boards that uh, are working in the nutrition space. Uh, We've got a group here in DC that I really love. It's called the Bipartisan Policy Council is formed by Democrats and Republicans. I don't know, 15, 20 years ago to really bring together a bipartisan group to look at major issues. Uh, we now have a nutrition policy group there that uh, that I'm part of uh, with other great leaders. You know, uh, Jose Andreas is on. Um, uh, Different professors from different universities, looking at how we can change policy to do exactly what we're talking: uh, get more healthy foods to people.
0: And you—you you said um, besides be active on different boards, you're you're doing a consultancy. What kind of things will you? that always sounds so general when people yeah. say that like what does it yeah. actually mean like you'll you'll be helping different businesses or like yeah, it's funny
2: because um you know oftentimes people say oh I'm going to be a consultant and then they go get their next job uh, after that <laughs> you know for me I don't think it's it's ever back to a kind of full-time single position but I do want to help I do want to help companies uh in our industry um, I'm not just a Washington lobbyist. After 30 years here, I think I've learned a lot about this industry. I've been able to observe the most successful people, how how they achieve their goals. Uh, so I'm looking forward to spending more time uh, with certain companies and associations also. Um, you know, that's... it. Being an association executive is sort of jack-of-all-trades, uh, master of none. Uh, I look forward to spending a little bit more time with some individual companies or associations, uh, really just trying to help them in their their success journey.
0: How should people reach you going forward?
2: Yep. So uh, I've got a new email. Uh, it's tom at stencilgroup.com. And uh, I'll certainly provide that to anyone. Uh, Just Google me, and I'm sure you can find that. Uh, It's called the Stenzel Group, uh, formed an LLC. Uh, Another thing about this industry that I like is I've met so many good people that uh, I call it a group in case uh, I can bring in others on specific projects. So if we're doing something in retail, I know a number of successful uh, retired retail execs, uh, vice versa. If a shipper needs uh, you know some counseling uh, i've got a number of friends out there who i could bring together to help serve hey okay. maybe a a, a column for the packer would be be a way to get you. you might be able to twist my arm tom uh, i thought you were going to say a, an editor emeritus could also <laughs> be part of The group but
0: uh, or pmg um, <laughs> produce market guy. Yeah, so I,
2: I would be glad to do something like that <laughs>
1: Well, you've uh, you have so much to offer in the industry, and uh, again, it's been an honor to visit with you, Tom and uh, Amy. I'm sure you share that with with me, and uh, we yeah uh, we really appreciate your time.
2: Thanks. Well, thank you, thank you, Amy. Thank you, Tom. It's been great working together all these years, and uh, let's stay in touch.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast. The difference Tom Stenzel has made in the lives of so many is not only impressive, it's heartwarming. I admit I actually teared up a bit. It reminds us that promoting fresh fruits and vegetables is inherently making us all healthier and we can feel good about what we do. And if you're not in the industry, just eat more fresh fruits and vegetables, okay? (laughs) It's good for the planet and people. And yeah, tastes great too. Anyway, if you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button and rate us on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts and enjoy our earlier episode. Last time I talked with Adrienne Rittberger who works with the Mushroom Council to make the Blend and the Blended Burger Project a nationwide trend with chef and home cook contests and Food Network fame. She's helped make mushrooms cool. And the week before, we heard from registered dietitian Danielle Magnus, who co-founded Plantish, a plant-focused meal brand based in New York. And we talked about what eating a plant-forward diet really means and flexitarianism. So if you work in the fresh produce industry, find us on our websites producemarketguide.com and thepacker.com. We're also active on social media platforms like Instagram and LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter. You can find more ways to follow us in our show notes, plus some helpful links to learn more about our episode guests. And we'll have more of these great healthy lifestyle and produce industry conversations coming soon. Thanks so much. I hope you learned something useful and inspirational. Talk to you next time.